Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Well, we're here with Dad and Cindy and I'm Tim and we're on our... And Del. And Del, 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 yep. Makes it sound good. Yep. And we're doing our... uh, This is our 12th Don Cherry podcast and... uh, Dad, uh, what did you notice on the weekend? This uh, well, I noticed Ko- uh, Kovalchuk uh, paid for his salary. I had to laugh at Bergeron. The one goal that went in on Canadians kind of just slid in by accident. But Kovalchuk got his first goal, and uh, he paid for his salary. You know, it's pretty good. He had two, he took signed a two way contract, and uh, Price. You know, it's a funny thing. Montreal outshoots team forty four to twenty, and they lose. They lose. They lose. And Ottawa catches Price on a hot day, and he stops 42 shots. Canadians were outshot 42 to 25. They still win the game. Kovalchuk did a great job. Uh, Vancouver. Uh, oh, just on that goal, Dad, you were saying that uh, I think it was a forward, that there was a two-on-one, and there was a forward back. And you used to, uh, you used to notice that at, in, in, at practice. Yeah, you, you can't. Like, I used to have a practice. I, because I used to, I used to like, I used to like to have a forward, uh, extra forward on the power play all the time with, uh, with Brad Park. And after, well, when, must we must tell a story about Brad Park and Bobby Orr played together. But I always, always had a forward. It was usually Greg Shepard. But if I, if he wasn't available, I'd have somebody else. And I always had a practice. I'd start in one corner, and one guy would have the puck, and he'd take off. The other guy would be about four feet behind him. And the other guy behind the net, and then the guy would play defense. The forward would play defense all the time. And I used to tell my forwards, never, ever, ever go at a guy. Because when you go at a guy, and you'll see it, you'll see it, especially on a three-on-three, a, four, a forward will be back there, he'll go at the guy, and the guy walks around him. Back in, back in, back in. And that's the only way you do it, and that's what happened on that goal. The guy kind of hesitated a little. That three-on-three, it's exciting. I love to watch it, boy. I I, I look forward to it. I hope that the game's tied up all the time so I can see you three on three. Yeah, well, they're talking about trying to make it a little bit longer. I would make that longer. I mean, I like to shoot out. I watch this shoot. I think the thrill of bloom has gone off the rose, as they say, uh, the shootout. I mean, it, 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 it's, it, it's, it, I, don't, I don't think it's, it's exciting anymore. But the three on three, boy, I love that three on three. I tell you, Vancouver looked pretty good. They won uh, over the weekend 6 3 over Buffalo. That Pesser, that Brock Pesser, plus four. He got two goals, and uh, he ate eight shots. He looked pretty good last night. Vancouver, uh, you know, that's pretty good. They're, 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 look, look, they're going to make the playoffs. They'd be tough to play in the playoffs. Um, and Calgary uh, won the Battle of Alberta. And I, I know one thing. If you're, you're Taychuk, you know, he's a pretty good player. But if you're going to run around and you're going to hit guys, you better be ready. You better be ready to drive. Meaning Cassian, he hit Cassian last night. I knew Cassian would go back at him. I didn't <laughs> I talk about wiping the guy out. But anyhow, Cassian, uh, I like that Cassian. He's a plus hockey player. And well, he, he's really kind of turned it around. He used to be just a tough guy. And now he's, you know, you always said when a crusher becomes a rusher, he soon becomes an usher, but he's kind of dispelled that. Well, yeah, anybody playing with McDavid, but he, he's, I think he's got 18 or 19 goals. And uh, he's he's cleaned up his act, and he's a good hockey player. He'll get a good contract the next time, but he sure wiped the floor with Tejuk. Is yeah. that how you say it? No, Tejuk. I don't know. Tay-chuck. I don't know. It doesn't matter. 
anyhow, after watching that there, and did he get off the ice faster? What did you What did you say? I I didn't read that. Uh, what did Cassian get? Cassian got uh, four minutes for roughing and a ten minute misconduct, and uh, Tichuk got zero. Yeah, yeah, he got something. He got about ten to the head. But anyhow, I I like that Cassian, and um, you know, you see, in the old days, the referee, the referees, that's how smart they are. The, and and they they get a play. They know they know the Tejak's running around, and he deserves to get his you know get wiped out a little bit. And that's exactly what happened. And and the, and the referees now they say mm, that's it. That's the way you want to call it. That's the way they call it. I mean, to give him four minutes, that's tough. He could have given five, I guess, but four is enough. And did um, that was some goal that Connor McDavid got got last night, blown by. And, he, and how about the goal he got on Riley? I, just a funny. A quote I, w- I was reading the other day, they, they asked Milan Lucic, who played with uh, McDavid for, what, like three years in Edmonton, and they said, so, Milan, what did you learn from Connor McDavid? And Lucic said, I learned what I'm not capable of. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he, he had something. We watched him when he was a kid, and uh, we knew he was good. He was, he was a band of He was playing minor midget, and he was fantastic. And, and the movie put on Riley, poor Riley, for... 20 years from now, they'll be talking about that mood. It kind of got him a little flat-footed. Yeah, talk, you, you, you know, same church, different people. Tell the time when uh, when Wayne Gretzky scored the 50 goals in 35 games in, Bill, in the Bill Barber story. Yeah, well, what happened was I was doing the color. I forget who I was doing it with. I forget forget the, the, the announcer. Anyhow, famous tweeting. Bob Cole, I think. No, it wasn't Bob Cole. It was some other guy, Tim somebody. Anyhow, it doesn't matter. So I'm, you know, before the game, I'm, you know, game, I said, wouldn't it be something if he scored five goals and he scored 50 goals in 35 games or something? And Bing gets one and Bing, he gets two, you know, three, you know, and he gets five. So he gets five on an empty net, boy, and five, five. And I think he got uh, 50 goals in 35 games. games. Unbelievable. Yeah. Well, he scored, you know, ex- kind of explain how he got the, the empty okay. net goal. So he's coming down. Um, and so they got an empty again, and they got Billy Barber. He was a good goal scorer, too. And he was a good diver, too. <laughs> Anyhow, he, he's on the point. So, and I remember, I remember they were wearing those Cooperalls. Remember those big, yep. long, stupid Cooperalls they had for somebody to come up with them? Anyhow, he's on the point, and, and Gretzky comes down on him, and he, and he tries to go around, and Gretzky gives him a little handshake, and down he goes, and he falls down. So I'm walking out. After the game, after, and I'm walking beside Billy Barber, and he's cursing and swearing. And that thing that he called, I can't say it, it's radio, I can't say it. And he, I said, what's the matter, Billy? What, I, mean, what, I mean, what's the big deal? He says, yeah. He said, 20 years from now, they'll, they'll get us 50 goals in, in, in 35 games. Who will they remember? They remember me falling down. So we're going to, uh, now, Dad, talk about some stories about the Boston Garden. You know, Tim, this week, uh, this is, I remember back when uh, uh, they, had, they were lying. I remember reading about, reading about in the paper that, uh, I mean, I wasn't there, but uh, led, they were lined up to lead. Big crowd was lined up outside for the Led Zeppelin. And I don't know what happened, but they were mad about something. They broke into the gardens, drank all the beer, wrecked. I remember they was flooded all down below. But I remember one time. On the Boston Gardens, we were out on the ice, and the bull gang and the bull gang said, "Grapes, you better get the guys off the ice." Now you know more about that. Tell, tell us about that one. I don't. I don't remember the group, but what happened was they were camped out 
uh, the fans were camped out to get tickets. And that's what happened. The fans were aligned, camped out to get tickets at uh, for at the Boston Garden for Led Zeppelin, and they broke in and wrecked the place. They set it on fire, actually. And but um, I remember tough group that Led Zeppelin's a tough group. Yeah, I remember we went and we you. We used to go through the back way. We never kind of went in through the, you know, the arena. And we went in the back way. And I remember big ramp there. Remember, we're at big ramp. And I remember that uh, was some. It was me and some of the other uh, uh, Craig Robbie Cheevers and Craig uh, 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 and uh, Wayne Cashman's son. We were going to go out and go skating uh, beforehand, like we normally used to do. And I remember two. I think it was Terry Riley and Peter McNabb. They were kind of watching us. And I remember them kind of watching us and kind of followed us out and were kind of being smart alecky and we're chit-chatting away. So you used to walk out of the gardens dress the Bruins dressing room and there was a little hallway. Then you walked up a little ramp with the Zamboni ramp and there was usually a, a curtain there and then you opened up and then you were in where the arena was. And they opened up the curtain and the place had to be they had to have, I bet you four or five thousand people in the gardens. And the three of us just stopped. Why why were they inside? Well what happened was they I can't remember the group, but they were lined up to get tickets. And it was, it got bitterly cold and they were afraid they were going to freeze. Somebody was going to freeze to death. So they let them in, um, and had like gave them tickets and say, okay, you're number one. And you go into the gardens and to stay warm. Cause it was too cold outside. They were going to, they were going to freeze. So we saw all these people there. And again, they was all through the, the Laurel Bowl and there's some people up top. So we, yeah, did, we were told to get off. Yeah. Well, so what, but happened was that, that, um, uh, you know, the three of us, the young guy, me and the two other guys, we didn't want to go on because we were kind of scared in front of all these people. And Terry and Peter said, if you want to play in the National Hockey League, you got to learn how to play in front of people. And they got us and they put us on the ice and locked the door so we couldn't get out. So we were skating around. And the people started throwing stuff at, like just kind of goofing around. They were throwing popcorn at us and stuff. And when we score, they'd cheer on the net. And then when they, uh, we'd miss, they'd boo and everything like that. And um, then they started, and then one of us, I, I think I fell, and uh, and uh, somebody else fell. They were throwing dimes on the ice. And, with, you know, we'd skate, hit, nice the, guys. hit the dime. So you, the bull game came on, kind of scraped the ice, and then we got off, and then you guys played for a little while, and then they, they told you to get off. Yeah, they told us to get off, yeah. They said there's going to be trouble. So. Right, and then what happened was there was these, again, five or 6,000 people in the gardens, and after... I bet you they said like 500 people, the tickets were all sold out. So they had to tell all these people there was no more tickets. And I, I, rem- I remember they had a riot. After yeah, they, they broke all the toilets and all it all flooded all through the gardens. But then the police came in, the Boston police, and they, they cleared it out pretty quick after oh, that. Oh, they're tough guys, those the police, Boston police. They're yeah. Irishmen down yeah. there. But then we were, we were just talking the other day, Cindy, about one of the, the biggest myths that happened in the Boston Gardens. And uh, tell us about that. Yes, we always wondered, it was an urban myth around the Boston Gardens that there was escaped monkeys uh, up in the rafters. And when you think about it, you know, they they could, if there was an escaped monkey, because they had the Ringling Brothers there at one time, they had... Uh, Frank Bucks bring them back alive, which doesn't sound good for the monkeys. And they even had a, a live uh, Wizard of the Oz, uh, Wizard of Oz, uh, in the what gardens. What were they doing? What were they? Was it? Well, it they, you know there was a live 
a live a program of the Wizard of Oz. So they had like the monkeys. Oh, yeah. Remember in the Wizard of the Oz flying, when they had yeah. the wind? And so what if one of them took off? So when you think about it, the monkeys could live in the rafters. Think of all the garbage after the after the, the, the games and they could drink out of the toilets. Peanuts? So this, the peanuts and the whole deal. So that was the myth. So years after, and of course, as we all know, the poor old gardens got torn down, it was actually in the news that they found mummified monkey carcasses up uh, in when they tore down the Boston Gardens. Okay. Can you believe that? Yeah, that? yeah. I mean, when you think about it, and I just have to give a plug here. I just wanted to tell you something, Dad, about, do you know that there is a storybook farm primate sanctuary here in, Can- here in Ontario that's one of the only primate uh, rescue places in, in Ontario, and probably all of Canada, one of only two, that saves monkeys and animals and primates from research. And I just want to say, it's, it, they're in Sutherland, Ontario, and just want you to know, with your foundation, we are probably going to give some money to them. Good. All volunteers, you can imagine, they get no funding you, you from anyone. You said there's some guy out west give you $10,000. Well, yes, anonymously. Can you imagine anonymously? Right, right. Yeah. yeah. That doesn't happen too often. <laughs> that doesn't, they didn't ask anything for you to go to their kid's bolorama or anything. No tax receipt, no nothing. Yeah, so uh, we're, 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 it's really doing well, and we're quite proud of it, as you well, know. Well, I have to say something about the Boston Garden. Everybody says that rat and fest. I, ne- I was there five years. I never saw one... One rat or anything running around in no, there. No, we couple didn't. On, a couple on the ice. Well, a couple, yeah, a couple. But um, I, re- I remember the guy, you know, and there was a big deal about, and I remember when some of the guys put tape in the bottom of my skate, and, I, you know, I shoved that. Yeah, I thought it was a mouse. Oh. But anyhow, you know, uh, let me tell you one more story about the boss cards. I could tell you a hundred stories. I could tell you about Blue. Remember the time Blue, we had our team pitcher. Yeah. Yeah. And I brought Blue down, and uh, the Zamboni, went, uh, where we went out there, we all come out there. And um, Frosty, the assistant trainer, brought her out with a mask on. She was barking like that. We were, we were sitting by a door on the far side, and uh, and, uh, and uh, so she went back in. Ah, and all, ah, the guys are laughing. She gets stupid dog. She went all the way around the gardens. This is a true story. This is hard to believe. She went all the way around the gardens, and, you know, it's pretty scary around the gardens. And come out and come out the the door and ready to go on. and and um, she got on the team picture of the and I went and got her and got her on the team picture she didn't like Harry and uh, we got a team picture and their big headlines in the paper was Bruins going to the dogs or something to that effect but I'll tell you one more story about the gardens so, uh, we got this new guy and um, I won't mention his name so I'm skating around and I see these brown spots all over the ice and I'm thinking you know. Finally, the, the rain is getting through the roof of the Boston Gardens, and it's hitting, hitting the girders and the rust spots going around. So I went up, and you know, I kept thinking, gee, how are we going to do this, all the brown spots? And one of the guys came up and told me, check this guy out. And it was a guy, believe it or not, the new guy we got had tobacco, and he was spitting on the ice. I know that's hard to believe. Needless to say, he stopped that. Okay, I got one more story to tell uh, about the gardens. It seems like one more, one more. I could tell you. Red Arbuck and the, the Celtics were there and everything, winning championships. But anyhow, this is a story. This is a true story that uh, Paul Mooney, and I hate to mention it, but he was the president of the Boston Bruins. Didn't like me. Well, who did like me? Come to think of it, nobody liked me. But anyhow, he didn't like me. And um, and I, re- I remember he made the guys in the circus walk all the way around. They could have come up that ramp at the back 
but he made them walk all the way around, come up the elevator, and took them about 10 minutes. The other way they could just walk up. Boy, were they mad. And so he had a big, beautiful Jaguar. I'll never forget it. And he used to be able to park in the gardens, come up the ramp, park in the gardens. And uh, they took all, they saved all week, all the elephant dung, if that's what you call it, and, and all the juice and everything that was in it. And when they left, he left the windows down a little bit. When they left, they covered. You could not see his car. It was covered in elephant, elephant dung when they left. Hmm, I didn't say much. So, Dad, you mentioned that uh, they used to have the cars in the uh, parked up in the gardens, and they used to have the keys ready to you to go right after the game. And there was one time uh, you and Mom had an adventure. Okay, we're, I lose the game, and uh, I said, okay, get in the car. And I'm ready to go. And Rose said, no, 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 no. I said, get in the car. Don't say another word. Get in the car. I used to be a little mad when we lose. And she said, okay, all right. She gets in the car. And we're driving out. And we come to Mystic River Bridge. I'll never forget it. And I said, give me a quarter or 50 cents. I forget what it was. And she says, uh, there's nothing in the glove compartment. I said, give me, I know it's full of change. Give me some, give me a quarter, 50, 50 cents. She says, there's nothing in there. We'd taken the wrong car. It was Davy Forbes. Now that I remember, it was Davy Forbes' car. It was a white uh, Grand Prix. Now that I remember, I'm trying to think of it. And I'd taken the wrong car. And mom got mad at you. It's all right. You want to get the car? Fine. Didn't yeah. say a word. Didn't say a word. Let me take the wrong car, drive it all the way home. Anyhow, that was just things that happened in the Boston Gardens. Yeah, there's always some adventures with uh, us going home after a game, especially when uh, you guys lost and everything. And tell us the one time when uh, there was a player on Route 1 that uh, was a little upset with Was you. that Route 1? I forget what it was. Yes. Well, what happened was it was about Wayne Cashman. I'll never, and you got to realize that Wayne Cashman was like John Wayne. Everybody loved him. Uh, nobody ever got mad at him. And I never got mad at him except this time. And uh, so I went after a game and... Uh, I think but we won as usual, and we're leaving the next day, and, and I got to say something. I go in, and I say, okay, everybody fix your six sticks and be ready, ready to go. Plane leaves at 10 o'clock. Don't anybody be late or something, you know, some stupid thing like that. And I, re- I see Wayne Cashman take his sticks and fire them, throw them all down. I think, what is – he used to say, I had a few things to say to Wayne Cashman. Now, when you can say something to Wayne Cashman, he's – yeah, I, I, I let, let me just put it this way. I was tough on him. I can't say what I said about throwing a six down and all that stuff. So I'm driving along Route One, and it's a two way. It's it's like it's a two lane highway, and I see this guy driving 90 miles an hour. We're right beside me, and his wife's looking straight ahead, and Lynn, I think it was like yeah. And he, so I better get I pull over the side of the road either that or he's going to crash me another thing. And we had it out, outside, out, fine. And I remember, I, one thing I remember about that, the steam was still rising off his head because he just played. So and you guys were on the side of the road. We were on the side of the road, out in the, and I, 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 I he come back to the car, and I thought, well, I better get out because this is going to, I thought he was going to hit me. And I remember standing there, and the steam was rising off his head. He was so mad, and, and he was still sweating from the game and everything. And anyhow, to make a long story short, is that it? That's it. That's it. So if I had no uh, problem after with Wayne after that, I never had any problem with him before. And right after that, uh, Johnny Busick, I think, hurt his back, who was the captain at the time, scored 500 goals. A lot of people don't realize he's Johnny Busick. I made uh, Wayne the captain. 
Well, uh, yes, I can remember Mom and I were sitting in the car, and there was poor Lynn and sitting in her car. And we we're going, look, look, do you believe we're doing this? Would you, would anyone believe? So it was that like this a highway. Is, like it would be like if you were on the QEW oh, in Toronto. Though cars are whizzing by, and the coach and his player are having it out on the side of the road, and like no one would believe that. And uh, yeah, there was a lot of good stories going when Mom and I were were going home, and uh, I remember one time. Uh, we you you used to give it to us pretty good right about the of the optional practice scenario that happened. Do you remember that one? Oh oh yeah. Oh, before you continue, I remember I had an optional practice. Well, what I did was uh, guys that weren't playing and uh, guys that were rookies and you never had an optional. I remember I waited behind a, a pillar and and what's his name comes strolling in Mid- Ricky Middleton. He was a rookie at the time. Boy, I grabbed him by the lapels. Couldn't do that now. And I remember Park walking by. Ooh, I better keep out of this one. So anyhow, t- uh, I tell about the story. Uh, so you would say, you'd say optional practices were optional for like Park and the older yeah, guys, guys the older Mattel, guys. but not yeah. optional for well, the young guys. It, it was supposed to be understood. Yeah. Well, it was understood to some, but some people didn't get the idea of it. And uh, someday we could do a whole show on the wives' room with mom and I sitting in the wives' room. And there was this one time when the uh, one of the wives said out loud, "Is tomorrow's practice optional?" And ma- and uh, they all look at us and we, I don't, I don't know. So we're on our way home, and I say to dad. Uh, is tomorrow's practice optional? And, oh, and the, and the wife, and when, when we said we didn't know, one of the wives in the room says, well, optional for some. Oh. So we mentioned this on the way home when we asked if the practice. I remember this now. I know, you remember it. Hey, Dad, is the practice optional for, for t- tomorrow? And you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Mom says, yeah, because one of the wives says, well, it's optional for some and not for all, right? And, and Yeah, I remember, and it's coming back to me now, and I'm thinking, wait a minute. These two dummies wouldn't be smart enough to say that. <laughs> That's right. Somebody, That's just... somebody, somebody, come, somebody must have said that. I said, who was the wife that uh, said well, that? Well, we didn't want to tell you because when you always used to say, give me that again, <laughs> give me that again. And then mom and I knew we made a fatal error in telling you that. And we had to tell you uh, which wife said it and what happened then. Yeah, you know, I sent him down. But he's yeah. the same guy that he was the same guy that took a run at Bobby, and I said, "Get him, get him, go out there!" And he, he come went ten feet, and he said, "Who?" I said, "Never mind, get back here." But you know that guy was when I was in Colorado, that that guy missed his full pension when he was uh, by one game. Wow. He had played one more game, he could have. Uh, he could have had his pension. And you see what you people well, do? Well, you tried to get him in Colorado, but Muran wouldn't. wouldn't yeah, I, I tried to get him. To, you know, I said, what's the difference? We plays one game, and uh, Ray Muran, he liked, disliked me so much. Anybody that I liked, he didn't like, and he wouldn't let him play the one game to get his full pension. So, uh, so you people talking about that optional practice cost him his full pension. Well, I, well after that, we were, we were quite selective with what our discussions went on in the wives' room, needless to say. No, I have to talk one more thing about the gardens. I remember the Bobby Orr night. I remember he had a. I remember Tom Fitzgerald was the was the MC, and uh, he tried to talk for six minutes, and uh, they quit six minutes ovation. It was unbelievable, and I didn't see it, and I'll tell you why I didn't see it in a little while. But I knew, I knew, I knew a lot of people in in in, in uh, Boston were upset about this, and I'll tell you why. They wanted Montreal to come in, or some team like that. Toronto would have been a good one to come in, and uh, and Bobby Ornite. 
but instead they had the Russians. And why they had the Russians was because they were not selling out. They weren't going to sell out. And I think they had 3,000 seats sold at the time. And they were, they were, and I knew the people were ticked off. A lot of people were ticked off. Uh, a lot of people were ticked off in Boston because they did have the Russians on Bobby Ornite. Well, this is true because what happened was they they booked they booked that game with the Russians and a lot of the season ticket holders, which we sat amongst uh, and we learned afterwards, they gave away their their tickets because they really didn't care about the, seeing the Russians. And then when the Bruins saw that no one was going to be there, that's what happened. They made it uh, Bobby Orr night, and boy, were the season ticket holders ever perturbed because they yeah. had already given away their season tickets for that game. Well, and, and I and I tell you the truth. I was so ticked off, I didn't see it. I was the only guy, what a dumbhead I was. And they show pictures of Bobby in the front there and everything like that, getting, you know, shaking the hands with everybody. Six minutes, it went six minutes. Ovation, I couldn't believe the six minutes. But it was the Russians. And boy, did we go in, we, we were doing pretty good up until then. You got the record there we were with, Tim. Yeah, just before we played them, and it was in January, so it was right around this time. It was like, like almost 30 years ago. But, and... Um, the 25 games before that game with the Russians, we were 20 wins. And remember, that those are straight wins. Like, that's not winning yeah. in overtime. So 20 wins, two losses, and three ties in, in the 25 games before. And then after that, we went to six wins, 11 losses, and four ties. Boy, I remember we were in the tank. We could hardly get out of it. And you know you know what happened? The guy showed me. I went in the dressing room after, and it showed all, all the spear marks. And they wouldn't fight or anything, the, the Russians and that. But they had spear marks all over them, and you know they were pretty good that way. And and we really went in the tank after that. We had a tough time getting out of it because not only did not only the the papers just crucified us because you know we were running around. And I think what Wally Harris was the ref. I think he gave us fifty five minutes in penalties. Yeah, we deserved every one of them. But I, I, things happened in the Boston Gardens, and I, I was. When that tailspin, was that the time that uh, Harry had called the meeting and then, I don't know and, when, and then pointed to Peter? Oh, that was a good one. I remember one time we, well, that was the time we won. Yeah, that must have been, that was it. And um, I remember talking, to, when, when I said to Chiefers after me, I told that story. And I said, oh, the, the one story, I said, nobody listens to you. When you win 18 straight, nobody ever will listen. He says, what? But anyhow, this, <laughs> you got to think about that. So anyhow. Harry flew out to Colorado. I remember, I remember was in a, we, we were in a tailspin you couldn't believe. So we went up into the room, and Harry went up and down, berating everybody. First time he ever did this. I, I couldn't believe it. And, you know, at the end of when a co- general manager is giving the guys heck, the coach always said at the end, okay, guys, let's go. Nope. I just stood there, and he wearing down. Harry was wearing down, wearing down. Finally, he walked out of the room. I remember, I remember he had a late blues shirt on it was all sweat you know it looked terrible so um, i never said anything i just sat there with a toothpick no stood there i remember stood there with a toothpick and he's he's going out so he's got to say one last thing and peter McNabb, i remember was sitting on the bed and you McNabb, you your checking hasn't approved one iota <laughs> he faded on, on he faded on the bed why me why did he pick on me so the guys called uh, i think for the next Four years, they call him one iota. So, Dad, so Thursday we'll have our next podcast, and we had taken some questions, and they want to hear about Stan Jonathan. The Tuscahora. I, I remember sitting on the bus one time with him, and I said, Tuscahora Indians, eh? And, you know, and he, and he said, uh, 
and he looked at me. It was dark. It was, I remember it was dark. It was buses. I, mean, I don't know where we were driving. And I said, what were you guys, fishermen and everything? And he looked at me, and he looked over at me and said, we are Iroquois. We are warriors. And I, no way I was arguing with him. 